Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Four Blades in a Pub, or should I say Three Blades sat at home because one of us hasn't made it and we're not in a pub. So um could be quite an interesting one tonight, a few developments today. So uh, say hello first of all to Dan. Hi, Dan. Howdy, y'all. Hello to Kelvin McCrab, as it says on his uh, Zoom screen at the moment. Ian. Hi, fellow Blades man. <laughs> And I can't do an American accent. I'm Phil. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. <laughs> you too, could. You don't, so, even do a, you don't even do a convincing Sheffield accent, do you? I've spent half my life not in Sheffield, <laughs> man, to be fair. <laughs> um, so where do we start? Have we got anything to talk about today? Anything happening? Well, there was a, there was a kind of throwaway tweet from Alan Biggs and a news story that everyone dismissed as hokum and then seems to have taken a life of its own. Well, everyone got on the high horse about uh, Mike Ashley for 24 hours or so, which I, I think we, we discussed briefly as well, that might not have been the worst thing in the world to have happened. And then, then the rumours coming out today uh, are a little bit mind-blowing and they're gathering pace by the, by the hour, really, aren't they? Yeah. Maybe the whole Mike Ashley thing was planted by this, this American guy's PR team. You know, he plants the Mark Ashley thing, so everyone goes, oh, God, no, not Mark Ashley. And then he comes in, everyone goes, actually, do you know what? He's got to be better than Mark Ashley. Well, there'd be He's a little bit of irony as well, wouldn't there? Because Mike Ashley criticised this guy a little bit for taking so long. Yeah, dragged yeah. his heels, apparently, yeah. Dragged his heels, ragged up half a million quids worth of legal legal fees and just didn't seem bothered. So he's, he's clearly got money to burn. <laughs> so, Go on, Dan, sorry. I've, I've had a look, obviously I've been doing a bit of Googling while we've been sat waiting to come on tonight and stuff like that. Newcastle, and Newcastle fans don't actually believe this guy exists. No one's ever actually seen this guy, have they? <laughs> well, there's one picture of him on the internet, apparently. I mean, that could just be a stock photo, couldn't it? I've, I've done a bit of detective work myself and I've found him on LinkedIn and I've sent him a connection request on LinkedIn. <laughs> so watch, watch this space. <laughs> I think it could just be one of these, you know. We're getting we're getting lulled in by the ultimate combat, and Mike Ashley's never going to admit it because he's never going to lose face by saying, "I was trying to sell, but it, this guy didn't exist." So I'll just I'll make I'll badmouth him and slag him off, and then you know, <laughs> and then then do it as a bit of a ruse to try and buy Sheffield United on the cheap as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, do you know what? We, maybe we're looking at this all wrong. Maybe it's not this guy's legal. It's not not this guy's PR team. Maybe it's Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley invents this guy as a possible as a potential um, a stalking uh, horse. bidder for Sheffield United. Yeah, a bit of a stalking horse. That doesn't materialise, and Mark Ashley swoops in at last minute and goes, "Look, I'll I'll take United off your hands." Maybe this is just all smoke and mirrors, isn't it? It's uh, no. <laughs> Mike Ashley comes riding in on his white horse that is the Bramall Lane Flannels Arena, as it'll be named in a couple of months' time. Do you not need white horse? I thought, yeah. Maybe it's on a, on the back of a Donny golf bag or something. On <laughs> a trolley, a Donny golf trolley. A trolley. <laughs> so, obviously, we're all a little bit cynical. What, do, are we genuinely cynical? Do we think there could be something in this? I think there's got... I mean, it's... If, if it... If there isn't, then it's it's gone round. I mean, it's not just been reported by our local guys who fair play to them. Um, fair play to them, they've kind of broke the story early. Um, it's it's kind of made it onto some reputable blue tick Twitter accounts, hasn't it? Well, I'll say it's 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 
like I say, from what started out as a dismissed story from a local journalist has just gathered, you know, significant pace, hasn't it? And other people are happily reporting it. I mean, it's, it's reported now that it's at the stage where the EFL are actually kind of ratifying his bid, checking that funds are in place. Yeah, but that means nothing, does it? Yeah, we're going to say how far, <laughs> what, what does that actually mean? He's got a picture on Google. <laughs> So the, the, the most recent one I've seen is from Ian Dennis from the BBC. The American businessman, Henry Maurice, I assume it's pronounced, has confirmed he has made an offer to purchase 100% of Sheffield United. It's worth £115 million and the offer has been accepted. Mr Maurice's company believes they have demonstrated the financial capability to purchase and sustain a hashtag SUFC. So read into that what you will. The one, one thing I found quite interesting earlier, Rob Staten has commented on it and he's, he said originally reported in The Athletic and then Adam Crafton. Adam Crafton from Athletic, yeah. yeah. He's put, thanks for the credit, Rob, appreciate it. So I think there might be a bit of beef in between them two there. Um, and he's continued to say, I'd be still, I'd still be very surprised if this completes. So, and this is only an hour ago as well. So I wonder. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and that is. It's all very interesting, though, isn't it? I mean, hopefully nobody comes out with, think Liverpool sort of statements as previously. Uh... <laughs> but is it, it that that line from Crafton's interesting? Because I've not seen that. So for it to be going to be accepted, to report it as accepted, to be going to the AFL for ratification, but to say I'd still be very surprised if it completes. What what is this belief behind that? Does he feel that it's, with the experience of Newcastle, this guy mm-hmm. might have the money but lacks the substance to do a deal and is just attention-seeking? Does he think the prince will back away or there'll be some sort of change of heart? It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting comment to make when it's reportedly gone through the stages it's gone through. I mean, surely the prince is not going to back away, is he? Surely, if, if, if the deal's going to fall down, it's going to fall down from Because, I mean, let's be fair, the prince is... What you know, he got he got off United for a quid, threw a bit of money at it, kind of bought us through the back door by you know through through legal means, and then used the club's money to fund everything else. He's you know he's he's absolutely fallen arse backwards into this if he gets 115 million for us for very little actual outlay himself, hasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. I, I tweeted it earlier. No matter what you say about the prince and whether you like him or don't, he hadn't done bad for himself out of the, the quid that he initially outlaid for the club. And no. no no matter what people say about him and, and their, their feelings towards McCabe and a lot of people would like McCabe back, he's not done a bad job. If this is all genuine and the guy's got the kind of money that's being talked about, he hadn't done a bad job of finding an investor, certainly better than what McCabe did. He's, he's done a he's done a Dell boy and Rodney, and he's found that uh, he's found that watch in his garage that's been there for however long. He paid fifty quid for and uh, and turned it into a fortune. It's interesting as well. You think well, we don't know yet. We don't know, like you say, the substance the substance of of this guy. But you know, you look at the state Burnley are in and their decision making and their debt they've taken on, and that would have been. That would have been the American route that McCabe would have potentially taken us down. It was that company, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. ALK. So I thought just on that, I mean, talking about the prince and lack of investment, I saw something shared by Sported Intel earlier that, that Darren Smith commented on. 
and it was on about of the current 20 Premier League clubs have collectively signed 226 footballers ever, costing more than 20 million each. And 182 of those are Chelsea, Man City, Man U, Liverpool, Everton, Arsenal and Spurs. So you've got very few. I and mean, if you go down the bottom of the league, bottom of the list, you've got Wolves at three, Southampton at three, Palace at three, Leeds at three, and then Brighton, Watford, one, Brentford, Burnley, Norwich, none. And they made the point that we've we've signed three. Now, whatever you think of whether we got value for money out of those three signings, you know, we are we throw money at it, probably not in a very constructive way. So, you know, we, yes, it's money the club self-generated, but again, it, we've had a go, not necessarily made the right decisions, but we've had a go. That, that's the thing about this, you know, again, if this guy takes over and he has got, I mean, I've, I've seen all sorts of figures bandied around from his net worth being a billion to seven billion. I think he's been, so there's, there's no actual defined figure on it. No matter how much he's worth, whether it's the bottom end of that figure or the top end of that figure, having money is no guarantee, is it? I mean, we've seen having money and throwing money at a club is no guarantee. We've seen what obviously it's done to what Mel Morris has done to Derby, thrown millions and millions at that, and they've just been relegated with a you know a points deduction and, and on the verge of going out of existence. We've seen what's happened across the other side of the city. Love him or hate him whatever you think of him, Chancery has actually thrown a lot of money at Wednesday. He has actually thrown a fair bit of cash at him, but he's not put the right people in place. He's not put football people in place. He's not put the infrastructure in place. So if this guy does come in, I'm assuming he's got no footballing background. He needs to make sure that he puts, you know, he puts the right people in place in key positions, chairman, director of football, whatever they are. And also, puts money into the infrastructure, which is something that, whether the Prince has thrown money at transfers or not, he hasn't thrown any money at the infrastructure, has he? Yeah. We've talked before about having no legacy from from, a, from two seasons in the Premier League. No legacy. And, and no, you know, we bring these young players through, but either, I, like I say, we're, we're not many have been made, actually made it through into the first team properly yet. And... We've got a academy and training pitches that are clearly contributory factors to our continuing injury woes this season. So, like you say. The youngsters that, that are being talked about or muted as the future of the club, Heckenbottom himself has said they're nowhere near ready. Hmm. You're asking boys to come in and do jobs that, that, that men have been doing and you have to be exceptional to be able to come in and do that. The, the one that's really broke through this year and Jai, he's, what, 21, nearly 22? Yeah. Not a boy anymore. He's not a kid, and there's not many that age. Jefferson's come through and not looked anywhere near. Asula's come and played a couple of games, and all right, he hasn't had long, but he hasn't done anything to prove anything yet. So that th- these these young lads are having a lot of pressure heaped on them by a by a an ownership direction that is destined to fail. I think as things stand. The four or five years away, really, aren't they? Like I say, yeah. if they're 17, 18, you, you, you know, you, you're looking at them making a proper breakthrough at 21, 22 and, and being ready. To, I mean, like I say, even Njai started like a house on fire, but he's dropped off. There's obviously a reason he's not been getting in the side and that's obviously down with performances on a Saturday and also I'm guessing what, what Eckingbottom's seen in training. Mm. So even, even he's kind of, you know, plateaued and then tailed away and, and he's now got to build himself back up. End of the season will probably come. The end of the season probably needs to come for NJ. Get the, get this get this season done. Get his first season out of the way. 
get a bit of rest in the summer, have a full pre-season at it and, you know, well, have a proper full season anyway, did he, last season? But, no, I don't, I don't know. It's interesting. It's, it's quite funny. Somebody's um, put something to me tonight on Twitter about... Um, you can you can remember everybody's been a bit sore. Some certain age, certain vintage blades are being a bit cynical because you can remember the San Machimi saga, which we've talked about on here. But we have had some interesting ones in the past, haven't we? For directions the clubs going in and people that are reportedly coming in and taking over. We we had a Shimi, didn't we? We obviously had we had I think when Mike McDonald took over. He For the benefit of those that don't know who Sam Machimi is, do you want to explain that story, Dan? Yeah, so Sam Mashimi was someone that was it Reg Brealey that was trying to sell to him. Reg Brealey suited suited. So yeah. Sam Mashimi was an Iraqi businessman. Iranian, was, I think, was it? Or was he Iraqi? Iraqi. Iraqi. He was Iraqi, yeah. And he came and it was it was it was done. If you remember the United documentary, it was done. Brealey had made the announcement and then I think the board voted against the sale, didn't they? The board kind yeah. of vetoed it. Uh, and it all fell through and it went away and he was gonna he was gonna throw money at United and, and throw money at Bassett to get us to where he wanted us to and that went away and then he came back to try and buy us again a few years later but this time he was Samantha was he Samantha Coates? Samantha Kane Kane was it Kane yeah Yeah. so he was Samantha Kane and then I believe he's back to being Samashimi again I think so yeah (laughs) so I mean I don't know it must look like Deadpool down there with Alt Scar, and if he's been, <laughs> if he's been back and forth, Christ. and I don't know how far he got each time, but if he's if he's had it turned inside out two or three times, Christ knows what it looks like down there. <laughs> so, so there was there was there was that deal. There was like I said, Mike McDonald came in, and his pledge was he was going to buy one of the Loudrups and Jean Pierre Papin. That didn't happen. Did we not? We were not once linked with a takeover by the Sultan of Brunei. Yep, that was probably under Reg Brealy as well, actually. Yeah, he had, we, we went out on we went on pre-season or end of season tour to Brunei in the eighties. Yeah. I can remember that quite clearly. I can remember my dad telling me about it. Evening. Obviously, Christmas. we had we had Paul Woolhouse who bought us and then vanished. And as far as I'm aware, he's still on the lam somewhere. Still wanted by Interpol. Um, it's um, St- uh, Stephen Hinchcliffe. Yes, yeah, Stephen Hinchcliffe. I should go and get the book. I've got the book upstairs about United Boardroom. It's a great book. Obviously, we've obviously we've had the Prince who bought us for a quid. We bought fifty percent of us for a quid, and yeah, we've we've had more of a, more more than our fair share of kind of boardroom. What would you describe it as? Carnage comedy. <laughs> Comedy, I think. Comedy. Comedy for the outside looking in. And I think I think for the context of people that don't understand why the older generation of blades are perhaps not taking this as seriously as they might, that's perhaps why. <coughs> you muted. Yeah, you muted. Because I was coughing. Um the um yeah, it's one of these, isn't it? Because I think it's easy for us to to have a degree of excitement. Part of us thinks here we go again. Yeah, we've been here. Suck at it, suck it in by the patter, and then just left high and dry. And you know, it's, someone said it's, it was it someone said earlier on one of the chats, you know, let's be honest, we could get this guy in charge, you know, potentially a billionaire. You know, what can go wrong? You know, worldwide pandemic, maybe, you know, things are going good for a blade, you know, World War Three, World War Three, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
So the I thing think... is, it's, you know, he's going to come in. We're all going to be excited, and it could, it could be amazing. He could come in and he could do what other owners have done for the club. You know, like someone like Wolves, the guys, the um, Foson Group own Wolves, yeah. and they've they've kind of they've established him as a as a top ten Premier League side. Or like you say, you could get someone in like you know, like, like the owners at Burnley. There's the guy who bought Charlton. There's there's a there's a list as long as your arm of foreign owners who've come in and just absolutely wrecked clubs. Clubs have you know absolutely driven them, you know, almost out of existence in some cases. I mean, this guy claims, or this, well, he claims, I don't know. It, the story says he's a Spurs fan. He's got an interest in football, but like you say, it's often about who they're bringing around them and put in place to to run that side of things. And you know, is it a rich man's play thing, or is it a is it genuinely a, a you know a proper stab at running a successful football club? So, here's a question for you for you both. Then, <clears throat> the, the, let's 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 assume that you know for now that Ashley's still a potential. Ashley. Yes or no, instead of Prince? Yeah, I'd have him. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> there's been a lot of tweets from you. Because I know, I think, certainly I don't know if you, I've seen tweets saying positively welcome, Ashley, if it was the case. But obviously a lot of Newcastle fans are straight in there. But I, I think we're just a different club at a different time and a different level of expectation, aren't we? I think we kind of know what we are. We know that we're... Uh maybe a high-end championship, low-end Premier League club at best for the majority of our fan base. And Newcastle think that they're bigger than what they probably are. And I think that was part of the problem. If you look at what Ashley did, all right, they got relegated a couple of times and they did. he didn't make some... Some of the managerial appointments weren't the best, but he stabilised the club. He's spent quite a lot of money on players whilst doing it. And ultimately, he's got them to a point where they're saleable by, yeah. and, and bought by the richest family in the world. So, yeah, it's took him a while to get there, but he hasn't done bad for Newcastle, really, has he? Could you could you live with the kind of <clears throat> sponsorship deals and naming rights and stuff like that? He might do it. It's a bit yeah, like doing Chan Series done at Hillsborough without actually calling it Chan Series Hillsborough. I'm not. I'm not bothered. Bramall Lane will always be Bramall Lane to me. If someone sticks the name in front of it and calls it the, laugh joked about it earlier, the Flannels Arena or whatever, I couldn't care less. It's Bramall Lane, and it always. I think, I think it's almost inevitable. It's almost inevitable that clubs are going to look for extra revenue streams and extra extra ways of bringing income in, and the naming rights to a stadium, especially one as famous as Bramall Lane, you know, the oldest professional football stadium. And everything that goes with that, it's almost inevitable that whoever takes over, unless it is, you know, a died in the wall blade that doesn't want the name solid, and there aren't any of them out there with enough money, it's almost inevitable that sooner or later it is going to become the insert name here, Bramall Lane Arena or, or whatever it is. And like you say, it'll always be, it'll always be the lane. Yeah. You'll, you'll never kind of go, you know, are we going down to Sports Direct today or what, you know, it, it, the only people it means anything to is the, those that announce it on telly. And I'm not really bothered what they think. I'll, I'll be honest, if, if you ask me now what the cop, John Street, um, South Stand and, uh, and, show, and uh, are called, I couldn't actually tell you, you know, because they're called the, 
it used to be the, what, 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 did this, what did the cop used to be called? Um, there's been a few different things, hasn't it, over the years? Yeah. I can't think, I can't, I couldn't tell you myself what they're called now. No. It, Remember it's it just was, the, the South Stand was like the, was it the GAC stand for a bit? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, GAC stand. It's always, it's always. And I remember South seeing stand. that because you could see it on this, you could see it from the cop, and that's probably yeah. why. It, you but know, but you've never, I don't think anyone's ever referred to it as the GAC stand. You've just said you'll just say the South Stand, wouldn't you? Yeah. Okay, so that's, and and I would, I, I concur by the way in terms of, you know, I, I wouldn't be adverse to actually. It can't be any less investment from an owner than we've seen already and a model that actually might work for us. I guess the challenge here is with someone like um, someone like Maurice. Henry Morris, sorry, I keep up with Morris. Morris Henry, Henry Morris. It's gonna be one of them, isn't it? With Henry Morris. Do we know enough to feel comfortable saying, yeah, kind of welcome this? We don't know enough about we don't know anything about him. Yeah. Simple as that. And um, everybody was delighted when the prince came on board. We didn't know anything about him, but because we knew he was a Saudi prince, we thought he was a billionaire. And yeah. we've got the only one that owns a bog roll company that's worth all right, a lot of money to me and you, but as a football owner's terms, he's pretty poor, really. Not even yeah. close, is it? No, and we, we we don't know a thing about this guy, but what we do know is some of the things on the internet, and they're talking some of the deals that he's concluded are into the billions. You'd like to think he might have retained some of them billions for himself at some point. Yeah. To be fair, clear t- clear t- I've heard of Clear TV. Clear TV is something that... It's a kind of name I remember seeing around screens in airports, stuff like that. So it, it's, it's clearly a big business, and he's he's doing very well in in building that business. So I suppose that gives me a degree of confidence in the substantive nature. But like you say, we don't know how much of that money he's got to actually put in beyond buying the club. Hasn't he got a credit card business with the acronym CAC as well? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon. Welcome to Sky Sports at the CAC Bramalane Arena. The <laughs> shit house. <laughs> the only thing that, the, again, the, the, obviously it's a bit sketchy at the minute, the reports, because it's only just coming out. But one of the reports I've read is that he's been in, impressed with our FSG of how they've managed Liverpool. So, in, you know, how they've done it, the, the kind of model. Hopefully, Again, it's, it's all speculation and guesswork at the minute. Again, we're back to the, what we said at the beginning. We don't even know if this guy actually really exists. But if he's looking, I don't know, we've been down the, you know, think Liverpool-style investment route before and, and kind of had our fingers burnt. But that's apparently the noise he was making when he was talking about taking Newcastle. That he, would, he would look to kind of follow their model, which... What well, is their model? Don't mean to put you on the again, spot. Well, I think they talk about how they've kind of harnessed themselves as a local community. But I don't think it was that straightforward for a while, was it? No, I mean they've not. Obviously, they've spent. They've obviously spent big money in comparison to to what other teams have spent on people like Salah and, uh, and Mane and stuff like that. But this kind of I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. What what would you describe it as? There's a there's a plan. There's, there's an actual plan with transfers. It's not just, yeah, we'll have, you know, like someone comes in and goes, yeah, yeah, we'll have him, 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 him. Yeah, like, like Man United have at the minute where they're just, just buying the wrong sorts of players. There's an actual plan to how transfers are done and 
transfers are almost done two or three moves down the line. So, you know, like, like they've bought the they brought Jota in and they've brought the lad in from Benfica Diaz. So they're already replacements for Firmino and Mane. So they're already look they've already got players in. They're not waiting until these players have got to the end of the, the lifespan and then having to replace six or seven players at once. They're actually bringing players in to integrate them almost two or three seasons before they need before they needed to to step in. So, you know, like we've like we've spoken about before, the exact opposite to what we've got at the minute, a cohesive transfer policy. Yeah. We haven't haven't got and haven't had for a while. That that's the way I'm looking at it. There might be something completely different he's looking at, but that's the way I'm looking at it. So uh, probably a properly hypothetical question. If it does happen and he wants to go down the the Liverpool route of of forward planning and strategic signings for the future and things like that, do we see Heckingbottom in charge of us for the immediate future? Oh, sorry, looking looking forward to next season. If things happen fairly quickly, do we think Heckingbottom will be in charge, no matter what division we're in? There's always the risk. There's always the risk that it won't be, in, you know, in the same way that um, when the guys, the, the new lot took over at Hull, you know, McCann had just started to turn things round, and that didn't cut any ice with them. They just said, no, we want our own man in and, and bend him off. So there's a, you know, there's always a chance that a new owner or new ownership, uh, you know, new board, new football panel will want their own man in. I think if it, if we get into the playoffs and go up, I would be almost certainly be in it. Don't. Maybe he, wants to, he might want to go a different way, but I suppose that depends who he brings in in terms of who's going to make the football decisions because he probably doesn't know Paul Eckingbottom from Joe Blogs, does he? It's an interesting time. It's it, like I say that that Adam Crafton replies just kind of stuck in my head a bit now because it's it, it's just got me like I say it's just got me pondering what why why would it fall through at this stage but it's a nice thing to ponder on we've not had any excitement like this for a while have we it's almost like season ticket sales have just come out and make things interesting again (laughs) oh you don't say (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there was a a time actually that would have been most people's first reply but so there was I think it was um, Shore and Blade Dan I can't remember his name on Twitter that was his first response to my tweet earlier, saying it's not going to happen. Um, so, have you, has anyone got any more points regarding the the whole ownership, or should, should we move on a little bit? To the only thing I would say is if is if this doesn't happen, obviously with this particular guy, it's this. It's at least it's obvious now that the prince is actively looking to move to move us on. Uh, he's you know he's, he's. I think we we all saw a while ago that he'd lost interest. Uh, you know, he's he's taken a backward step. He's even put a chairman in who's then since taken a backward step and said, Look, day to day, you won't really see from you won't really hear from me. Um I don't know what that means for the rest of United World. So, you know, you you beer shots and people like that. Because this this deal apparently from what everything I see is just to buy us, not to buy United World. So It'd be very Sheffield be very Sheffield United to not be part of the infra- club structure that it's been named after. <laughs> that that adds and that spurns another point as well, though, because we all know that the 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 big rumours about Area being the new kit manufacturer for the whole of United World 
if we detach ourselves from United World and that contract's no longer in place, from what I'm told, a lot of the stuff's already down at Bramall Lane. Does that contract become null and void and we have to start looking for a new kit supplier again already? Uh, it's, it's pocket money to this guy though, isn't it? You know? <laughs> We'll be on. We'll be on Nike's uh, special club list before you know it. <laughs> but no, let's be honest. Who really wants an area kit? I'm not that bothered if I'm honest. I don't yeah, I'm, I'm. 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 All right. I'm, I'm the kit nerd. I'm I'll hold my hand I'm, Yeah, I'm nearly fifty. I'm not. I don't get excited about who makes our kit. To be honest, <laughs> I'm nearly fifty and do. Sorry. <laughs> They make Palmer's kit, so they've got at least one decent. Yeah, they did they use Middlesbrough's kit? Is that what Middlesbrough used? Yeah, to? they had it. You were all about, yeah. Yeah. When they were in the Premier League, actually, Janine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Cheltenham Town now, though. <laughs> how, how the mighty have fallen. So three games left. We ain't got any fit strikers. Um, couple of tough games. Or one particularly tough game. I'm not particularly looking forward to giving Fulham a guard of honour last game of the season. But do we think we've got enough in the tank to get the points to keep us in the playoffs? I think it's a tough ask. Yeah, I do as well. And it might not be a bad thing. Because I don't know, it might have been it might be one of you guys say it up. But on one of the chats, it, it feels like that end of season when we kind of limped into the playoffs. And lost to Sunderland. Was that the end of the season when Spikeman left with Steve Thompson in charge? Yeah, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, we, you know, beat, him, we, we beat him at Lane and lost it. That, would that have been Roker Park still then? Stadium alive. Stadium alive. Yeah. yeah. Would have been fairly new, but yeah, we, we, we just about beat him at Lane, didn't we? Yeah. I remember watching the second leg up in the banner. And yeah, but we just kind of limped towards the end of the season. We'd sold yeah. a strike because we weren't. We didn't have the, the team we had earlier earlier in the season when we were playing well. And I'm not saying it's slightly different circumstances that are affecting the team now, but it's just got that feeling that we could we could limp into the playoffs, raise a little bit of hope, and then just watch it, you know, and maybe even take something from a first leg at home and then falter. I think I can see us having just about enough in the tank to get in the playoffs. I don't see us then going again three more games to get us up. No. I, I, I'll be honest, I think we could win his next two. And if, if Billy's back, and he might have be a fully fit Billy, but it gives me a little bit more hope because we've got enough to create. Eckenbottom said today he doesn't think he's got 90 in him, doesn't he? He says he yeah. doesn't think Sharp's got 90 in him, so I'm guessing he's going he's gonna to ask him to give us an hour on Saturday, maybe. Yeah. If we can give that's us a the same as any player that comes back from a certain time of being away from, a, from playing regular football isn't it it'll yeah. take two or three games to get back in match sharpness match fitness all that sort of stuff in that respect having Billy playing an hour for three games in a row might stand us in good stead for the playoffs but that's just one player we're missing more than that no we, yeah but it, it is needs must admit it? I mean we you know we, we just we, we just look so toothless and impotent don't we when we, when we kind of go forward and, and I think that's why I know the last couple of games, I don't think Gibbs White's been, especially the, the last home game, uh, Reading, wasn't great, but you could almost see his frustration because he's having to do everything. You know, when, when Sharp's up there or 
he knows he's got a target in the box. He knows he's got someone to play off. When there's when when Sharp's not there, he almost like you can see he's trying to do everything himself, and he's getting frustrated because he's not coming off. So he's trying even harder next time, and it's it's like a, a vicious circle. Yeah, he's, he's done him no favors because I don't think he's delivered as much as he could have. But then, <clears throat> like you say, we it, it got that kind of score like written all over it on on Monday. You know, dominate play, dominate possession, look susceptible on the break, don't take chances, go one down, and obviously, thankfully, got back into it. But never actually looked like kicking on after equalising. Which was the more frustrating thing? Oh, I don't know. I thought when he brought Hirohane on, that kind of made us change the game a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that that was that, that, was, that, that, that was a Warnock sub written all over it. it. <laughs> that had a Wayne Allison substitution substitute appearance written all over it. Yeah, it, it's one of those, isn't it? I mean, the last say the last two games, but you can probably drag it back over a longer period. We, we just look toothless, but we also look story susceptible at the back. Story of the season, it really yeah. has. The amount of games that we've come out going, I don't know how we've not won that, is just ridiculous. We don't, we haven't took our chances all season. Without Billy, I don't know where we'd be. That's it. Well, that's, I mean, that's that's my, I mean, I, I think I put it on, on, one of, on one of the groups of the night, and obviously that might change now if, if this guy buys us and throws some money at us, but I, I, Personally, I think next season we're 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 in a relegation battle, irrespective of whether we go up or not. If we go up into Premier League, we know we're in a relegation battle. I'm concerned that if we if the summer goes the way I think it does this season, I think we're potentially in a relegation battle next season. Because you don't think we'll have enough with people like Brewster and um, Norwood still being there, and potentially Bogle and. Do you, not, do you not think we've got the sort of the start of a spine of a side? Possibly, but without so so Gibbs White's not here next season. That's that's yep. a given. Yeah, yep. and the chances of us getting someone in on loan or or finding a finding someone from lower leagues or in Jai coming through and playing to the same level as him is infinitesimally small. So that takes away probably. 25% of what we've done this season in terms That's of... That's a hell of a word, Dan. I've never heard that spoke before, ever. I don't even know that was a word. <laughs> I was I was amazed at the... how he, it, it, The way you said it as well, Dan, was fantastic because it just felt like it was just kind of like rolling out as dead easy as anything. It's like... I don't even I think I can say that without thinking about it first. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Add to that, I think Burger goes at the end of the season. Yeah. Burger's probably done enough to get himself, you know, a, a, a decent move. You, yes, Brewster might come good. Yes, Bogle might come good. But you, you're relying on that. You, we can't pin our hopes on a then 37-year-old Billy Sharp getting 15 goals. Take and I just, I just don't see where any, where any creativity is coming from. I really don't again unless we bring the players in but I, I just get the impression as we sit here now with the current ownership there isn't going to be a great deal of money thrown at it in the summer I, I do take your point it does kind of feel a little bit like um, like like when we went down last time the, the squad felt like it was drastically short and I think that we, unless something impressive happens over the summer I, I do think we're going to be drastically short again next season 
But I don't know. Time will tell. I'm a bit more. It's, optimistic. A, it's a poor division, and I don't think it's going to be dramatically better next season. I don't. I'm not sure. I think Wednesday will go up, and I think they'll be strong next season. I think the teams that come down might be quite strong. You think Wednesday going to do it? I wouldn't surprise me if they went up automatic. The form they're in and Rotherham are starting to drop a few points here. Can, they, can Wednesday still get automatic? Easy. They're only four points behind second. Are they? Oh, hmm. ah, okay. it's, I, had a, I had a bet with Wednesday the other week that they'd go up. I was covering myself because I, I just went, of course you're going up. You, you'll go on a run and you'll sneak it and we'll blow it and here we go. That's just being a blade, isn't it? And just being slightly, <laughs> slightly negative and trying to, trying to protect me own sense of disappointment in it all when it happens. Need to get off this subject. I know, I was chuffing out. Oh, no, sorry, that's me. That's that's me that's dragged everyone down. I do apologise. Let's talk about something happy. Yeah. We only asked we only asked you to look to the end of the season, Dan. Not not, <laughs> not, 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 not mystic megit 12 months on and just, you know. No, sorry, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole there. <laughs> but anyway, back back to billionaire Americans. <laughs> I think I think just go, Luke, going back to the, the rest of the season, I, I do think the three of the four playoff places are, so, are sewn up now. And what I think Luke Prest in our group made the comment the other day that as far down as Blackpool in 16th can still get in the playoffs. So there's a hell of a lot of teams still fighting for that one last place. Yeah. It's going to be some, some effort for us to get there with the squad we've had over the last three or four months. And if we do, I think the manager deserves a massive amount of credit no matter what happens if we do get into the playoffs. Because we had no right to be there, really, did we? Uh, to be fair to him, we had no right to be there when he took over. And we had, despite everyone, you know, there was a lot of people saying, well, he's got a good squad. Anyone should be able, a good, half-decent manager be able to get this team up there. That's fine. But look at the, like you say, look at the injuries we've had since. Look at the luck we've had since. Um, he's been got, got a strong- tough hand. You can draw some pretty strong parallels with what he's done compared to what, and I know it sounds strange, but what Kevin Blackwell did. So, you know, we had a, a side that came down from the Premier League with, with a squad that on paper should have bounced straight back up. We appointed a high-profile manager that really, really didn't work out. And then someone else has come in who's obviously a very good coach and got us... I mean, Blackwell got us. He didn't get us. He got us within touching distance of the playoffs. We could have. We could have qualified for playoffs last game of the season, couldn't we? Yeah. Um, going down and Southampton at Ray Youngard's first ever away game. And I was hecking bottoms. So you, you know, there's some fairly strong parallels with that. Um, what happens? What happens for the last three games will determine whether it's, whether it's the same or whether the manager's a good one better. Well, f- fingers crossed he does. So, have you got any predictions for this weekend's game? A, n- a nervy 2-1 win. I'd probably go with that. We're guaranteed to concede. I just hope that, you know, we at home with a bit of... It's everything on the line, isn't it? We have to win. So, yeah, 2-1. Yeah, I, I fancy us to win this weekend as well, actually. I'm going to go 2-0. I think we might keep clean sheet this weekend. I'm looking forward now, to... Now you're being ridiculous. <laughs> I've different scale, Dan. Three. Different scale. <laughs> I've missed the last three home games, so I've not seen Uremovic play yet. So I'd like to see him play this weekend. Um, whether whether Heckenbottom's just fixed on the, the formation that we've had since he's been in, or whether he goes back to a four and Uremovic playing the side of a four next to Egan, I don't know whether that's a possibility or not. But 
I would like to see him play before he goes because inevitably he will go back at some point, won't he? I, I think it. I would imagine he'll start with the same back three that played on uh, on Monday. Yeah, yeah. So Bash, Bash, Egan, and um, Jackie Longthrow. Well, we'll see. Fingers crossed we can get the result and keep the season alive for another week. And if we try and get a pod in again next week, we might have a bit more interesting things to talk about with the ownership. Fingers crossed. You'd like to think if it gets to this stage, it starts to progress one way or another quite quickly. I think it, maybe by the weekend, everybody there in Texas, and that's by the weekend. <laughs> you know for a fact everyone's going to come out. For, fans are going to be like um, Apollo Creed in Rocky Four when he first came out to fight Drago. James Brown singing. James Brown <laughs> singing his antic pitch. Big stars and stripes, hats on. Living in America. <laughs> don't don't put anything past Gary Sinclair. He once got Sheik doing a half-time mime on the on the pitch, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. And they got booed off. So yeah. James Brown's dead, isn't he, though? We'd have to dig him up. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't think he was serious. I'm just you never know. If you can get get what's his face, Nile Rogers on the centre spot at Bramall Lane, miming, pretending he's playing his guitar. Anything can happen. Jesus. We need John back for a little more, a little more irreverence, don't we? <laughs> Sorry, my irreverence. Sorry, my irreverence isn't up to standards. We've, uh, we, we've we've not mentioned John, have we? Obviously, we're obviously the four blades in the pub have, have got a new a new family member. Uh, yeah, yeah John's, congratulations. Uh, congratulations, John. Obviously, unfortunately, you can't be yeah. with us tonight because, like everyone else, with a, a new parent with a two-week-old baby, he's, I would imagine in the same clothes he's had him for three days straight. Smells faintly of sick and he's gently weeping to himself somewhere desperate for 20 minutes. Just rocking, <laughs> rocking with a babe in his arms in the corner. No, I'm waiting congratula- for, congratulations. I'm waiting for to appear on screen here. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, he can probably hear us, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we made him host it, even though he can't be on it. <laughs> I guarantee you don't look as fresh faced as he does on that picture. No. Yeah. Or as smiley. <laughs> And, uh, didn't you want to shout out um, the bike rides as well, Dan? Yeah, so um, obviously if everyone remembers James Kemp when he did the bike ride to every Premier League ground, not last season, season before? First season, wasn't it? Yeah, first season. So him and two other Blades and one Wednesday fan, um, Sarah Ashton and David Atkin, no relation, uh, they're doing a, a sponsored bike ride, a charity bike ride from Dromfield to Portugal um, in aid of mind. Uh, we tweeted a link out, I think, yesterday, obviously giving them a shout. So anyone that wants to uh, to support them and, and you know, put their hand in the pocket and, and give them some support, it's a very worthwhile cause. Um, rather than, than me, I think, I think talking to David today, they've got to average 97 miles a day for 27 for 21 days. Um, he has got, a, he has got a, a large tub of I believe it's called butt butter. I didn't, I didn't go any, I didn't dig any deeper into what that entails, but um, I think we can imagine. Yeah, um, but yeah, if, if I like to say, if anyone wants to, uh, anyone wants to, to throw some money their way, we, we tweeted a link out yesterday. You didn't so, dig any deeper into the butt butter. Absolutely not. No. no. As soon as you mentioned butt butter, I, uh, I, I kind of, uh, I backed away from that conversation. <laughs> Just get worse. <laughs> on on yeah, the site, so we tweeted a link out. So yeah, it's uh, an aid of mind. I know the pods tweeted a, a link out to that, and, and like you say, if anybody wants to donate to Mind, I think it's a great thing to do. But also, Dan, you put yourself 
through it for your first marathon next year. I think fair play to you. And I think we should should be putting that out there as well on, on the pod's Twitter as well. So, Ian, if you... I, have, I mean, I've, I've, I've got 11 months and 25 days to train for that. So, um, But I'm, I'm running the Manchester Marathon next year in aid of Cancer Research UK. So, yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously give that a mention and, uh, and tweet that out at some stage as well. So, but yeah, very charitable, uh, very charitable way to end the pod. Very much so. There's only one other way to end it. It's usually John that does it, but I'll go this time. Up the blades. Up the blades. Up the blades. <laughs>